0: Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So I just had a conversation a few minutes ago. Um, I normally don't like missing church. Can I get an Amen. I didn't actually expect you guys to do that, so that's good, that's good, uh, but I, I just had a conversation a few minutes ago about uh, how I sometimes end up having to miss church for events that I have to do or going on vacation, like many of us do, um, and it just so happens that I am blessed as a pastor because I have a Jeff Janes, right, so Jeff Janes, who is a pastor in our conference, who is the executive director of Restore Hopes just a couple of weeks, Restore, Restore Hope, um, just a couple of weeks ago came and delivered an incredible message about how much God loves us and God loaves us. You remember this? So we're going to recap a little bit about what he talked about because it's great. When you're a lectionary preacher, uh, somebody has already chosen for you the scriptures you're going to preach. And I normally don't preach lectionary, but sometimes I do because it just feels good. And so the lectionary is a pre-approved reading of the Bible over a three-year period. If you, if you read through the scriptures that they assign every week, you will have read through the Bible. Um, and so it just so happens that the scripture in the lectionary this week Parallels what Jeff talked about just a couple of weeks ago. It's a little bit further on in scripture, but in order to get there, we have to go back in time a smidge. So in his sermon a couple of weeks ago, Jeff talked about Elijah, right? The prophet Elijah and how he was a servant of God. He spoke for God. He didn't tell the future, right? He wasn't somebody who foresaw all the future and could place bets on racehorses. That's not what a prophet is. It's somebody who speaks for God, His prophetic voice caused him a lot of grief and he ended up being found in a prophet battle between himself and 850 other prophets of some other ancient Assyrian gods trying to prove whose God was more powerful. In his sermon a couple weeks ago, Jeff talked about the story of Elijah and his confrontation with the king, with his queen Jezebel, with these false prophets. In order to show how God is able to take care of us and prepare us for whatever lies ahead of us. Jeffrey told the story about Elijah running away from this murderous king. And he told us about how the, the wife of this king Jezebel wanted his head on a silver platter. And as Jeff was ending his sermon, he talked about how Elijah got to his lowest point in his life and he was out in the wilderness and he could find one scraggly little tree and he was able to fall asleep under this tree. But before he went to bed, he prayed, God, just take me now. Get me out of this. I'm done. My life is just not worth living anymore. Can you please just take this journey away from me? I just want to die. And instead of dying that night, he fell asleep and in his Sleep, he had a vision of an angel showing up and delivering him food and saying, here, this is what you need. The journey's going to be hard, but this is everything you need right in front of you. So when he woke up, there was the scripture, depending on which version you read, said there was a cake there. And I don't mean it was like one that was battered and had the candles. It was a, a loaf of bread, but it was a sweet loaf of bread that was specifically enough for him to journey on and continue his mission of God to tell the world about who God was. God provided a way and an alternative to his death. And instead of taking him out of the journey he had to face, God gave him everything he needed to continue on. So Jeff then quoted John 6 35. And the scripture will be on the screen. You can read this. It says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Actually, it's not on the screen. I lied. But friends, God loves us and he also loaves us. He gives us the loaf of bread that we need when we need it the most, right? And today we're going to pick up on that journey of Jesus, right where Jeff kind of left off with that scripture in in the book of John. We jump today into the gospel of John, into the scripture surrounding that phrase, I am the bread of life. But before we read those scriptures, we got to tell the story of what Jesus found himself in whenever he decided that it was time to journey along with us. So we've talked about it in here before, but in the first century, it it was a rough life. There was no hanging out watching TiVo. There was no air conditioning. There was no rest. Friends, from the moment a person woke up until the moment they went to bed, they had to search for sustenance, Right? Food was relatively scarce. They had to fight and dig and grow their own food. How many of you are gardeners again? I plant plant tomatoes, and that ain't going to provide me for much when when we're talking about being able to sustain myself and my families. Family, I only have one, just so we're clear. (laughs) But Jesus showed up into a time and place where he was needed the most. The Roman Empire was in control, and the Jewish people had no rights at all, even in their own homeland. They weren't citizens of the Roman Empire. They couldn't vote. They had no representation in the the Roman Senate. Uh, They were basically subjects to a pretty belligerent, tyrannical emperor. There were different religious factions in Israel that were dividing the Jewish people who lived in that area because Jewish faith, faith had such a long and rich history the rule of the romans for the last decades provided ignition or ignition for the powder keg that was kind of these these different views of torah the different views of how scripture was supposed to be played out and then when caesar declared that he wanted All the loyalty from every person in his kingdom, that caused a big problem because the Jews couldn't have, they couldn't pledge their loyalty to anybody other than God. And so now we have this dictator who's saying, no, 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 God is important, but I am the most important. He raised himself above God and every other God throughout the Roman Empire. And he said, you have to pledge allegiance to me and to me alone. So the rich in this time are taking advantage of the poor. Life we talked about already was pretty hard and there was never enough to eat, ever. Life was short. You know how old uh, the average lifespan was for somebody in the first century? Any guesses? 50, it's close. 35. What, 35, Levi? Nope. T- <laughs> okay. My son, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jokester the average lifespan for somebody in the first century was about 45 years old. How many of us in this room are 45? Not me. (laughs) This meant that a lot of children and young people died, especially in childbirth, because healthcare in the ancient world was also not very good. People were crying out for a savior. Life was so hard. There was very, very little hope for the people who lived in Israel and the Jews. It was a struggle every day. People prayed for a deliverer, for somebody who would set them free from the persecution that was taking place at the hands of the Romans. So all of this stuff that's happening in the 1st century, all of this stuff makes the the arrival of Jesus so ridiculously important. Because from the moment of his birth, Jesus shows up in a strange and unique way that is telling us that God is trying to do something different, right? He doesn't show up in a palace when he's born. Where is Jesus born? In in a stable. He's placed in a feeding trough for animals in a small podunk city far from Jerusalem. God is doing something different in this moment, but I believe that God is doing something that the world needs. For thousands of years, the wealthy, the powerful, the politically connected, the elite, they were in charge of everything. Their power reached into every person's home. They dictated how much you could eat, how many hours you worked during the day, where you can live, where you worked, how much taxes you had to pay, and the people had no voice. We want to we put the Bible in the context of now, don't we? I really want to make Jesus like uh, somebody who is a contemporary of us. I really, I really want to project that into scripture when I read it, but we cannot do that because the ancient world in the Middle East looks nothing like democracy in the United States. We can't pretend that our faith is safe. We have to read scripture for who Jesus is. Your life and my life in the first century would have been of no value. We were there at the service of whoever was in charge, and that was it. And many people felt like they were worthless. And I get that. So Jesus showed up into a world that looked like all of this, and he started looking at people like you and me and saying, you know what, you are valuable. You're worthy because God created you in his image. There's a piece of him in each of you, and so you are valuable. You are worth something. And Jesus spent his entire life and all of his ministry telling us the poor, the wretched, the broken, the normal that God was for us. Jesus shook up the ancient world with his unique vision of a kingdom that had room for every person. And let's be clear, Jesus' message was radical. And so his radical message began to attract people, right? We talk about the wealthy in the United States as being like the 1%, right? So it's a small percentage of all the people who are in the United States. I imagine it was probably the 0.2% or something like that of people in the ancient world that were wealthy. And so there were a lot more poor, downtrodden, normal, average, everyday people. And Jesus began attracting them to his message. And the numbers began to grow of people who followed Jesus. And as a matter of fact, what made Jesus so scary to the religious leaders was that the people who were following him began to outgrow the number of people that were following traditional religious rabbis and priests. The message of Jesus was so radical and so attractive that Jesus became the big thing. And it was scary for people who had power. It was scary for people who had authority. It was scary for people who made their money on the backs of people like us. And then Jesus begins to get a little racy in what he talks about. Jesus said a couple of things that were hard for some of his followers to hear, And in the scripture that follows what we just read about uh, Jesus telling the world that he's the bread of life and he wants to fill all those who are hungry or in need, Jesus begins to talk about something that sounded very strange to his ancient listeners. In order for us to really understand what Jesus is doing, we need to read the scripture in its full context. We can't just pull a piece out and then apply it to our lives. We have to read and understand what Jesus is saying. So in John chapter 6, we, we begin to hear the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? So I think most of us have heard the story that, um, that all these people came to hear Jesus and Jesus goes to his disciples and, and, or his disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, these people are getting hungry. They're getting ready to leave. Why don't we um, send them off into town anyway? Well, us call it a day. I'm hot. Can we just call it a day so that they can go and get food and then we'll reconvene some other time. Maybe next week we'll have a big rally. It'll be fun. And Jesus says, no, 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 let's feed him. And the disciples are like, I have no food. I have no money. This ain't going to work. And Jesus says, let's make it work. And so he says, find food. And so they do. And they search through this crowd of 5,000 people and they come up with a little boy. And this little boy was sent to this rally to see Jesus, this, this big uh, uh, you know, discipleship event. And, and he, his mom probably packed him his lunch. And his lunch consisted of two fish and five small loaves of bread. And Jesus said, perfect, let's do this. So Jesus blessed the food and then he starts to hand it out. And he continues to hand it out. And he continues to hand it out. And then every person is full and well-nourished. And they're just reclining at the end of the meal. They're like, man, that was really good. And there was enough food left over. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover fish and bread. Jesus, knowing that the people were going to try to, at this point... Here's what's crazy. Jesus knows the heart of the people and what a great miracle. I think this Jesus guy is pretty special. And it, Jesus says in the scripture, Jesus, knowing the people are going to try to make him king by force, he left the area because Jesus' time had not come. He wasn't ready yet. No, no, no. We can't do this yet. He's, he's understanding that people are like, this guy's awesome. Let's put him in charge. Jesus leaves. Jesus leaves. And so the next part of the story is that the disciples are getting into a boat to go down to Capernaum, and they're expected to meet Jesus there. And that night, Jesus walks out on the water, right? We have all heard that story. Then Peter gets out of the boat and, help me, right? But Peter got out of the boat, which is the most important part of that story. All of this is leading up to where we're starting in chapter 6, verse 25. So let's dive in. This will be on your screen. In verse 25, it says this, when they found Jesus... On the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, and I want you to hear this. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that's still true right now. In order for us to do the work of God, we have to believe in the one that God sent. We have to believe in Jesus. Friends, I'm going to tell you this. I'm stopping from scripture because I want to tell you this right now. You have all been taught a lie. It's not okay to just say, I believe in Jesus. And then that's where the road stops. That's where the journey with our faith begins. It's not enough to just believe in God. It's not enough to just believe in Jesus. We have to follow Jesus. In order to follow him, you have to know him. Let's continue on. In verse 30, it says, So they asked him, What sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? Remember how Jesus just walked on water. Jesus just fed 5,000 people and like, Show us a sign, Jesus. Verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. You just watched me walk on water. You just watched me feed 5,000 people and you want me to do something else? All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. So he's repeating it now. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever forever. The bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus gets his sustenance from God. We should get our sustenance from Jesus. That's what he's saying here. In verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and he died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. He's saying this in church. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. There are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which one of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Here's what I want you to read in verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow. So here's this really interesting moment. We get caught between Jesus using real literal words. He's talking about bread. He's talking about the miracles he's already done. And he's also using this weird figurative language about bread and life. I'm the bread of life. You just had this big meal and we were fed 5,000 people, but I'm actually the bread of life. Jesus is telling his hearers that we shouldn't work for things that are worldly. Don't work for fame and wealth and, and money. In verse 27, he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. He's telling all of us that Jesus has something different to offer that none of us have ever experienced yet. In a world full of hurt and hunger and heartache, Jesus is giving us life. He offers something totally different. We talked about this already. His followers, then they say, hey, show us what you're talking about. Give us another sign. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's like they're challenging Jesus. Well, they got, Moses gave them bread in the desert. What are you going to do? You got to show us that you're better than Moses. And then we hear Jesus speaking some of the most profound words in all of scripture. I am the bread of life. What you got in the desert, all those people, dead. They're gone. I have something different. I have the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You've been hungry, right? How many of us have been hangry, right? All of us in this room have been thirsty before, haven't we? Do you believe in Jesus? Now, wait a minute. Because Jesus just said, whoever comes to me will never be thirsty, never be hungry. Do you think Jesus is being literal in this moment? Just do this. No. Friends, some things that Jesus say have a deeper and richer meaning than just the literal, hey, you're not going to be hungry. You're not going to be thirsty. Jesus is deep. He's not telling us that we're never going to experience bad things in life. He's not telling us that we're going to never be actually hungry. What he is saying is we're going to have a different kind of life that will be so rewarding. A life that looks different. A life that by the world standards doesn't make any sense because you know what we're going to do? We're going to love the people who Jesus loved. We're going to provide for people that the world doesn't provide for. We're going to work towards healing the broken. We're going to work towards bringing peace where there are areas of hurt and war. We're going to follow Jesus' example and we're going to be life for others too. Moses offered bread that came from heaven in the form of manna and that bread would sustain the Israelite people, right? But every day they had to go out and pick it up. Every day you've got to go on a journey. You've got to get that manna if you want to eat. Friends, we have to be careful and realize that just because we say we have Jesus doesn't mean we stop working if Jesus is the bread of life, we're still gonna to have to go and get that bread, right? We still have to follow Jesus. We have to know him. There are things that we have to do in order to go along our journey of faith. In verse 48, Jesus continues, I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors had the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats the bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. In this moment, Jesus is predicting his own death and every one of his followers can hear it. It's not a secret that Jesus is going to be the bread of sacrifice for us. He goes on and he tells his disciples and his followers that they're gonna to have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. So remember two minutes ago when I just talked about, hey, you've all been hungry, you've all been thirsty. Maybe Jesus is saying something deeper his disciples, his followers still didn't get it. Because they say, we're going to have to eat your what and drink what? I don't think so. Because in the laws of Moses, there are laws against cannibalism. We can't actually eat you, Jesus. Friends, Jesus is deeper than the words he's saying right now. Verse 53, he says, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. Sometimes the most life-giving things are found in the grossest, weirdest packages, right? Right? How many of you like eggs? <laughs> A lot of us. Do you know where eggs come from? Yes. <laughs> That's gross. You people are sick. Eggs, they're actually, here's what it says. Uh, eggs are some of the most, uh, what are they? They're considered one of the most nutritious foods on the planet. They're actually sometimes referred to as nature's multivitamin. The only problem with eggs you're eating the undeveloped young of a chicken. Do you realize that's what you're eating? That's gross. And then if you're like my wife, you eat your eggs like with like you throw it on and you flip it over and then you're done. You throw and it's just like this gooey, sloppy, ooh. It's gross. But it's one of nature's most nourishing things you can ever eat. Golden. Blech. Sometimes the most fulfilling things come in the weirdest packages, right? And it's not just eggs. Kale. Put your hand down. Don't even. No. We had this conversation at one of our small group meetings a couple weeks ago. Kale contains 200% the recommended daily value of vitamin C. 300% of the recommended intake for vitamin A, 1,000% of the recommended amount of vitamin K1. It contains incredible amounts of vitamins B6, potassium, calcium, magnesium, copper, and manganese, which we all need for a healthy growing body. That's why kale is considered a superfood. Have you ever tasted kale? It makes so much more sense. Once you taste it, it's gross. But it's so healthy, right? It offers so much for us. It's a weird, gross, green package. But there's life in it. Shellfish. Clams, oysters, scallops, mussels are some of the best sources of B12, supplying over 16 times the daily recommended intake of B12. They're an incredible source of zinc, copper, and vitamin D. The only problem is Many Americans don't eat sea, shellfish. You know why? It's gross. It's gross. Have you ever eaten a raw oyster? It's like, you might as well just do that. They're apparently healthy. I'm not eating one of them. Like, I've had smoked oysters. They're fine. Sometimes the most nourishing things come in the weirdest, strangest packages, right? Liver, you ever eaten liver? No. Yes. How many of you like liver? I learned something new about my wife. What? My wife had liver this morning. Sweetheart, we're going to talk after church. Liver contains a long list of vitamins and minerals. For example, 1,176% of the daily recommended value of vitamin B12. Make you want some liver? Nope? Okay, all right. 50% of the daily value of vitamins B5, B6, niacin, and folate. 201% of B12, or sorry, B2. 634%, and that's a really strange, very exact number. 634% of vitamin A. Healthline online magazine recommends eating it once a week. Hard pass, friends, hard pass. Sometimes the most life-giving things come in the strangest packaging. Eggs, liver, shellfish. Jesus is telling us that in order for us to experience the fullness of life, we have to fully receive what he's offering. We have to consume his words. We have to consume his example. We have to take everything that Jesus is offering and make it part of us. He's not telling us to fillet him up and cook him to a nice medium rare. Jesus is not being literal when he says this. He says, Life is found in me. And the way that Jesus presented that information was really uncomfortable for his followers. There are laws in Moses. Can't do that, Jesus. I'm no cannibal. The most life-giving nutrition, Jesus is saying, comes through what he is and what he does and what he means for the world. And he repeats himself. He says it again in verse 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I am in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Whoever sustains themselves with Jesus lives. And in the tradition of Christian misunderstanding, the followers of Jesus get really confused and they get concerned. Is he telling us he wants us to be cannibals? Because we can't do that. That's totally against everything we know. It's wrong. And because they didn't understand, many of them began to fall away from their faith in Jesus. Verse 66, it says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I'm going to be very clear with you guys this morning. The message of Jesus Christ is radical. It's life changing. And sometimes for us, it's hard to hear because I think we're getting confused with this kind of American Jesus that doesn't at all look radical. Jesus of the Gospels is life-changing. That's why his message survived for 2,000 years, and it even cost people their lives. They died for their faith in Jesus. And here we sit in an air-conditioned, beautiful church. We're comfortable and we're safe. We don't have to worry about it because we've sanitized the message of Jesus. even though the teachings of Jesus are sometimes hard for us to hear or hard to understand, he offers us everything we need for what life is going to bring against us. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. That we can fully trust and we can fully rely on Jesus because his word is truth for us. Not a word from Jesus that has been misinterpreted or misquoted by some pastor or podcaster. The words of Jesus that we read in the gospel are powerful. So friends, we've got to get back into the word. We have to know who Jesus is. We've got to read the life of Jesus. We have to feed on the words of our Savior. Those teachings of Jesus that made him so feared by the religious leaders of his day and the representatives of the empire are the same teachings that still cause people to walk away from faith today. Because it's not easy. You mean I have to love people that hurt me? I have to love people that hurt me intentionally? I have to forgive them 70 times seven? Are you kidding me right now? Friends, each of us has to be very careful not to be people who fall away because we may not fully understand what Jesus is saying and who Jesus is. So, friends, let us not be willing or let us actually be fully willing to truly follow Jesus. Let us be the ones who say, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. When his 12 closest friends, the disciples, Jesus looks at him and says, everybody else seems to be turning their back and running what do you think? Are you guys going to go too? They say, no, 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 no. We know that your words are truth. We know that, that you are who you say you are. And because they know Jesus, they're not going anywhere. Their faith is solid. Their faith is firm. So friends, where is your faith today? Do you know who Jesus really is? Are you the ones who are feeding on the bread of life that is Jesus? Or when things get tough, are we just going to turn around and walk away? Let us be willing to go where the Spirit leads us in order to answer our call to show the world who Jesus is. Let us not be afraid to follow the radical words of Christ, even into the unfamiliar, even into the scary, even into the different. Because I believe that Jesus is the bread of life. I believe the package of Jesus provides everything that we need to be fully sustained. So help us, Jesus, bring life to others through you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for that strange package of Jesus. A baby born in a manger, in a stable, in a town far away, in a world that looked nothing like the world you had designed. God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus that brings new life wherever he leads, wherever he goes. Help us to receive that new life in Jesus. Help us to then share that new life with our friends and our neighbors. Even though it might be weird and uncomfortable, even though the means... Of your message are hard to understand. God, help us be people who are willing to search out the answers that can be found only in Jesus. God, give us a deep understanding of who you are and what your will is for each of us so that we can feast on these words of life and bring life to others. Lord Jesus, continue to work in these moments. Work in us, work on us, and then, God, work through us so that we can change the world. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.